book is good about. Her second book was it was to like bring you closer and be like. And I was talking to my mom about it. And a bottle feed. Are you in your heart? Every time I'm like, oh my gosh. Girl, welcome to Coffee Another Monday. I'm not going to say happy Monday this time. <laughs> last week was such, such, such an amazing, like we said last time, right? Like it's so hard to like put the right words in because like it was an amazing episode and just hearing her story and everything, like I was crying. I had chills. I talked to her after we recorded the whole segment and everything. And I was just like, girl, like, how are you? How am I? <laughs> like, You know, it was just, it was so amazing. And I, I think it's very brave of all of these women to do that. So I'm super excited for this, this episode, or I was right. going to say this season. <laughs> um, but this episode to share another one and kind of give you guys a, um, maybe a different angle of it. Yeah. Um, in our last one, she was super young. She survived. It took her quite a while. I think she said it was like five or six years, right? If I remember yeah. correctly. Um, she gave some amazing advice, like Cody pointed out, um, the go back, yeah. like some of those flags <clears throat> to look for. It was just like, I don't even think about that. Well, <laughs> Is my I, husband doing any of those flags? Right. And well, and I think like, um, when you're in that situation, like, well, I guess I could say if I was ever in that situation and I was like ready to go, I wouldn't, I don't think I would ever think like a go bag at work, you know, it's, mm-hmm. that's just something that wouldn't cross my mind. I think I would just be like freaking out on like, how do I get out of here? And then just like, I wouldn't have thought like, oh, make sure you have your birth certificate, make sure you have your social security card and stuff like that. So and I think that was a really, really, really good tip because I don't think that's something a lot of people really think about when they're ready to go. They're just like, okay, got to get the hell out of here. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you forget something like that, you're usually having to go back and make that contact again. So yeah, I think that was a really, really good point. But I was texting Felicia, like, like I said, I was uh, dropping my mom off, the, off at the airport, so I didn't get to jump on and hear her live. So I listened to it with everybody on Monday. And I was like texting Felicia, like, oh my God, this is insane. Oh my God. What? Are you kidding me? Like, wow. And, you know, and, and then to hear like, it was one of her first relationships that, that I feel like it has to be kind of scary because how many women out there are experiencing, you know, um, their first relationship. And then this is what the, what, what it is. And as you know, a woman, uh, at 18, 19 years old, you know, society kind of puts it on you like, okay, well now it's time to go find a husband. And can you imagine that like one of your very first serious relationships being a domestic violence situation? Like I would be terrified to date after. So hearing that, you know, I like how she said, don't have any expectations after she's kind of told herself, but I do have to say like when she was talking about, like I teared up when she was talking about like, you know, suicide and how she would preserve her body so her family could find her I was just like I know. oh like I gosh. knew I knew a lot of her story but like I didn't know her lowest of the low and just to think that somebody right like it's just baffling to me to just to think that somebody could push you to the point where you're like how do I save my body so my family like and yeah. that just speaks volumes of her too right like yeah. in the moment when she's hurting she's she was not thinking, even thinking her about family. herself yeah. exactly she's just like how can I make things better for them? And I think that's, I think that brings awareness to all kinds of things, you know, like yeah. suicide and depression and all of these things, yeah. because like, you never know what somebody's going through. And just because right. they're at their lowest of the low doesn't mean they're like 
out of their mind yeah. or something like that. Yeah. It's just like they're having such a hard time, you know, and they know that it's going to be painful for you, but also like it's painful for them. So I think right. she brought awareness to a bunch of things. And I was just like, I'm just amazed really like to see the person you know, I feel like <clears throat> sometimes when tragedies happen, it can make you a better person. Like I've seen it in my own yeah. family. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure I've expressed it in a time or two too, but <clears throat> I think it can make you so bitter that you kind of like, not like your past haunts you. Right. And you kind of just like hold it against everything yeah. else. But the fact that she is such like you've, you know, her, like, it's just, mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect the same person. You like somebody who survives yeah. through all these things. You would think we're a little bit like rough around the edges, maybe yeah. a little bit like, you know, not that she's not sarcastic, but like just, I don't know, rough. And so yeah. to see the person that she is thriving right now yeah. to be um, yeah. and working at, like, I think yeah. it's just like the best part of these stories is like, you can do a complete 360. Like you can be in the lowest of the low and like contemplating life, Yeah, but you're, you can still like look forward and hold out that hope. And if that's the hope that you need to be like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm leaving because I want my life to have like that 360. Like I don't deserve to be loved like this. This is not love. This is toxic. Like Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know. I just, I found so many aspects of her story, like encouraging, even though I've never gone through a domestic violence situation. So I'm hopeful that that was able to encourage any of you guys, like that may be in this situation that you related. Last week we said, you know, kind of like keep, like not keep it to yourself but just be mindful to share to and it was anonymous and we were keeping her anonymous this week is a little different the person who's coming on this week her name is chastity robinson she um is very vocal about this if you follow her on um, instagram facebook she's very vocal about her story so when we decided to do this i thought she's the perfect person to come on and speak with coffee because she's already super vocal so if you have heard the story before like feel free to share it i know that she works very very hard to um express like anytime she's having a hard day anytime she's you know she she's so knowledgeable about many things like trauma bonds and all kinds of stuff and i really think that her story is going to bring a whole other side of um domestic violence because i feel like she has a little bit of both of the emotional and the physical and like the aftershocks of what happens once you have left this type of relationship. So without further ado, let's get into our interview with her. Perfect. We're interviewing Chastity Robinson. Um, if you are in the Cincy world, you probably know her face and her story. But um, we thought it was really important to talk with her because she has always been very vocal about, you know, the struggle she went through with her relationship and domestic mm-hmm. violence. And also, um, I think it's important to point out that she was also in a relationship with somebody in the military. And, you know, coffee is based off of a military lifestyle. So whenever we decided to start this series, we knew like, okay, we definitely want her to come on because I've heard her story and just kind of the way um, it started out and the way it played out. I feel like the military definitely played a little bit into that. Wouldn't you say chastity or. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to pass it over to Chastity. She's going to, you know, tell you guys her story. um, And we're just really excited for you guys to hear this. Like I said, if this is something that resonates with you or something that you feel somebody could use 
please share it with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, that's the point of the series. We want as many ears to hear these stories. We want to motivate as many women or men in these situations. We're going to put like a side note in there though. Like if you do know her, don't go to her profile. And right. Like, that's not how the story happened. This is not it. This is not true. Like <laughs> we're not about that. So right. listen to her story let it resonate with you and, you know, share it. But also like we put it in the post, put it in all of these, please be respectful of their stories. Right. Um, you know, don't hunt them down on, on the gram and all of this stuff. So <laughs> go ahead, Chastity. Okay. So I guess I will just start right from the beginning. So I met my abuser in college back in uh, like 2007 ish. And when we met, I mean, everything was good at first. Um, to give you a little background, he was a college football player. I was a college cheerleader. I mean, not to sound like crazy, but we were like the it couple. Right. Like, we looked really good together. He was big, tall, and buff, and I'm like this little blonde girl. And just to put it into perspective, he's six four 240 pounds I think that's really important for you to know yeah as I um, continue on with my story and I'm five four and 115 pounds at that point in time um so just keep that in mind and like I said it, it was really hot and heavy right from the beginning um how old are you guys and right what, here like teenagers I am a sophomore in college so 18 okay 19 we're 19 when we met um and we had a bunch of mutual friends in common because we went to neighboring high schools so there was just like it was just really easy at first and now looking back there were signs there were things that were red flags that I didn't realize were red flags and things that were happening right from the very beginning Mm -hmm. and I was just naive like, you just don't realize that things like that are abuse. Yeah. Um, and so, long story short, we dated all through college. We actually got married um, in 2010, the summer before we graduated college. So, we were actually married before we graduated. After we graduated, I became a teacher and he joined the military. He has a stepdad that is, has a background in the military mm-hmm. with um, special operations. And so that is the same thing that he was, that he joined the army to do was to go be special forces. Now, going back and talking about abuse, the isolation happened almost immediately. He started distancing me from all of my friends I basically could only be friends with his friends and I'll never forget. We hadn't been dating that long, maybe like two months. My roommate and my sweet mates sat me down for an intervention about him because they could see it from the outside. Mm -hmm. And my roommate is still one of my very best friends, but these, the sweet mates, I had just kind of met them. Right. This was, this happened in like November and we started school in August, right? So I hadn't really known them that long. And I mean, I am thinking I am head over heels in love with this man. And my two sweet mates 
are sitting me down telling me how awful he is and how I don't need to be with him and how he's already controlling me. And I literally fought tooth and nail to the point where I wasn't even friends with my sweet mates anymore because, and I lived with these people every day Yeah, because I just could not see it. And when I, I even like vented to him about what they were saying. And of course he's like, no, they're wrong. They're not doing that. Like they brought back, they brought up a specific situation about what I was eating. And when I picked up my um, meal, like from the cafeteria and how he made a comment about how I don't need to eat like that. I honestly didn't even think about it. Yeah. And, but looking back now, I can see exactly what they saw because our entire relationship, he would call me fat. He would tell me that I need to work out more. I was 115 pounds Yeah, with a six pack. Like (laughs) I don't look like that anymore, but like I was in shape and he would, start making comments about that and also just to give you another little background information I think the reason why I stuck it out and like why I clung to him was because my parents had also just recently filed for divorce Mm. and I grew up in a military family I moved around my entire life and now my parents are getting a divorce so it's a little bit of normalcy for you oh yeah there was no normalcy going on right my mom was having a midlife crisis and dating someone who was my age. Yeah. My dad got remarried within a year of meeting this other woman. And I don't have any other family here. Right. It's like you found comfort in him. So it was hard to let go of that comfort regardless exactly. if it was bad or not. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. And at the time, I didn't think it was bad. Right. And so there was comments like that calling me back isolating me from all of my friends and also he had started to be unfaithful from the very very beginning um I'm talking within months of us starting to date I he left his myspace open that's how far back we're talking and he he was messaging all of his ex-girlfriends like just trying to keep them hanging around because if you know anything about narcissists they always have to have supply they always have to have that and, um, he was still talking to them. Also on our very first Thanksgiving, we started dating in like right when school started September. So this is in November. He invites me over for Thanksgiving. His ex-girlfriend was there when I got there <laughs> and he was, ta- he told me his mom invited her. He didn't know she was coming and this, that, and the third. Obviously now I know that's a lie. And I watched the way, the way that he acted the whole time was like, he was just trying to show me off, mm-hmm. like hugging on me and loving on me and stuff that like he would never really do in front of his parents otherwise. Yeah. But it was because his ex-girlfriend was there and he was having side combos with her that I didn't know about. And this continued and continued and continued and continued throughout our entire relationship with the ex-girlfriends, two of them specifically. And I look back and I'm like, why was I even letting that happen? Like, why did I think that that was okay? Because he would explain it away. Mm -hmm. He would gaslight me. He would delete things. And so it was like, I was questioning my own sanity. No, this sounds literally just like my, like high school relationship to the T. Like I literally could tell the same exact story with, I, I feel like 
the people in the area that we went to school, I feel like that th- this is like a, a common thing they that do. they do. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah. it's crazy to, to hear it right now. Cause I'm like thinking like, Oh wow. Well, like I never had a relationship get to the level of like what you have been through, but like, just to hear like, Oh, well, he was still talking to this girl and this girl. And I'm thinking, wow, like, am I, have I gone through the same thing? Like some of these same things. So it's like full circle moment hearing this, knowing like we're trying to help other people. And here I am like, um, red flag, red flag, check red flag. Right. Like, but crazy. I think you made a good point saying it kind of made your, you question yourself. Like, am I just making these things up in my head? Yeah. Because the previous episode, she said the same thing. It was yeah. kind of like, no, I'm not doing that. Like you're reading too much into it type thing. So I think that's like a big thing here in the situation is kind of like, you're not crazy. Like these yeah. things are happening. Yeah, for sure. And so you guys like get said, married and then what happens? Okay. So the night we got married was the first time it ever got physical. Wow. Oh, no. The night? The night we got married. Um, we got married in North Myrtle Beach. So we like weren't around anybody. He got so drunk at the wedding that he like could not stand and function. And we had to go to our hotel after the reception because we were staying somewhere else. And he's like screaming at me on the way to the hotel to stop and get him McDonald's. I'm in my wedding dress. There was all kinds of food at this reception. He's yelling and screaming at me to get him McDonald's. I get him McDonald's after he's being irate. And I'm just trying to go to bed Right at this <laughs> point. Like, I just want to go to bed and you can eat your McChicken and leave me the fuck alone. Um, Cause this ain't cool. Yeah. And um, when we got back to the room and he realized that I was like mad because he was so drunk, he literally shoved me to the ground and punched me in the face. And there's rose petals all over the ground. Oh my gosh. Like he had. What an introduction to marriage. To literally shoved me and then punched me. He's six, four. Yeah. I'm 115 pounds. Yeah. He didn't hit me in the face. He's hitting me in the legs. He's oh hitting my. me in the stomach. <gasps> He'd never hit me before now. He'd gotten oh mad before, but he had never put his hands on me. But the night that we got married, so in that moment, did you feel like trapped or were you like, what the hell is going on? Like, what were you feeling when, when that happened? I was honestly just so shook. Yeah. yeah. Like I didn't know what the hell to think. I had yeah. a huge welt on the back of my head because when he pushed me there in the room, there was like a big, um, like t- tub, like a mm-hmm. huge tub. Right. And I hit my head on that. And then as I'm going to the ground, that's when he starts hitting my legs. And I'm like, oh, my God. And so I'm going to be honest, y'all. He made the excuses the next morning that he was just so drunk. It would never happen again. Mm -hmm. He's so sorry. Please forgive him. All this, that, and the other. And I did. Yeah. Because what I literally had married this man two hours ago. Two hours ago. And little did I know that his addiction to opiates had already started he had been prescribed multiple opiate prescriptions while he played football oh see I didn't know that I thought it was through the military that's wow well it's it started then that's when he yeah he would do it recreationally and I'm not saying everybody does right I'm not saying everybody like pops pills no recreationally but but college a lot of people at my college did yeah yeah so that's what was happening um 
like, for instance, he got his wisdom teeth taken out and he's chewing up these pills wow. and taking more than he's supposed to because so, he's been so big. The, it doesn't, um, it, it doesn't work. The, 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 the opiate usage kind of facilitated in <laughs> college. And then he kind of used the military to supply the addiction that had already started. Right. Okay. However, I didn't know any of this. Right. I had absolutely no idea that he was doing this. Oh no. Like I had no idea he was getting pills and stuff because for at that point he was still kind of acting okay. There was weird mm-hmm. there was times he would be a little off. Yeah. But I just I didn't think it I didn't think enough into it cuz I'm not, why would I think about that? Well, anyway, and I yeah. will say Chastity, I have met your abuser. Like I literally went to high school with him, but I have met him and yeah. I understand what you mean by like he was still acting normal because I if somebody would have told me that he was using drugs, I would have been like there's no fucking way. Like he's he's a mm-hmm. football player. There's no way. like I really when I had found out the extent of his addiction because you know, if you're not familiar like with coffee or like Fayetteville um the the Fort Bragg Fayetteville community is a very small community and if you've grown up there and you go to school there you everybody knows a little bit of everybody you know you might not be friends but you're like oh I know I know I heard that story so when when drug use high schools or colleges or you know our community as like classmates you know the stories went around like wildfire and I might not have known chastity but I knew her abuser so and then when I was like there's no way that that dude was like it was a star football player in high school and college so I understand totally what you mean by like he he hit it very very well because I feel when it came out that he was using it was like no not him there's no way so but I think that just goes to show you that like not everybody is the same on the outside as you see at the home plate right because there's a few things that you'll be like no way there's like I don't believe he hit her like never never he's always been so kind to me but like you don't know what goes on behind closed doors yeah and I mean abusers don't abuse everybody exactly yeah yeah. I I loved sharing that this week on our on our um uh Instagram story because I was like that is so true like they're they're literally Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde it's like I'm gonna put on this face for this these people but you know for chastity on the on the on the closed doors chastity was getting the brunt of this addiction and stuff all of it yeah okay so you guys are married and so then you find out he has this this drug um addiction so what happens from there so actually i didn't really find out about the drug addiction until after he had joined the military so right after we got married he graduated that december and then in January, he went off to basic training, mm-hmm. um, AIT, airborne school, all of that was in Georgia. I would drive down there every single chance I could that yeah. they had a free weekend. Right. Um, I mean, I was running the roads. I was so faithful. I mean, I was always faithful, but I wrote him letters every single day. Yeah. Like, I was it. And he was going to come back to Fort Well, he came back to Fort Bragg. He started the Q course. Um, and if you don't know what the Q course is, it's a special forces qualification course. It's very, very intense. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that go into it, but he was never worried. That's what his stepdad has done his entire life. He was a command sergeant major of this group at Fort Bragg while my abuser is going through it. While he starts going through the course, this is when I sort of started to notice he would have prescriptions. It was always a prescription. I never found anything that wasn't a prescription. And it yeah. was always from the army. So at this and point, he's all... been on it for a year, two years? I, 
I would say all recreationally through college. So three years recreationally. And then once he joined the army, um, that was when it got pretty much to be an everyday thing because it's easy to get, it's easy to get. And it was all bullshit injuries. Like he Mm -hmm. wasn't even hurt. Yeah. He was just asking for this medication. And I mean, your tolerance after three years is like, you're going to need more than. Well, exactly. And, And he also knew that within six months of having this prescription, even if he peed hot, he was okay. Yeah, he had a prescription. Yeah, of course. He had a prescription. And as long as it was in the six-month period, they're not going to say anything because you could have had those leftover pills or whatever. So it's going on. It's going on. I start noticing that he's literally falling asleep sitting up. Um, About this time is when I got pregnant Mm -hmm. with my son. And I'm like, this is going to fix him. We're going to be okay. Um, No, we were not okay. Do you feel like a lot of... um women who are abused kind of feel that way too like okay well things are pretty bad right now but we're gonna have this baby and and it's gonna be a wake-up call like in your experience yeah yeah Yeah, I absolutely felt like he was gonna fix it he was gonna get his shit together and to be honest I really didn't know that he was like abusing them at this point and I know that sounds crazy no I don't but I didn't know he would lie and say he was just tired falling asleep and all that and I believed him Yeah. And so the gaslighting went on. He would lie to me about all kinds of things. I would have to track him on find my iPhone. He was taking all of our money. um, But then there was never any explanation for where it was going. And my mom was the one that said something to me first about she thinks that he's abusing them. So Long story short, the addiction continued and continued. The night I was in the hospital having Mason, he left me, said he was going, not like left me, left me, but he said he was going to let our dogs out. He was gone for four and a half hours to go let our dogs out. And we live a mile from the hospital. (laughs) And I find out, yeah, even though my dad was letting my dogs out, but whatever. Um, (laughs) He was gone for four and a half hours and something just told me to like check my check his location and he was what I know now as a drug dealer's house off wow. Murkison Road hanging well, out yeah Murkison Road you know they're, they're not anywhere good <laughs> nothing good comes from no. Murkison Road so no, okay so you so, go home with the baby and were like did it are, change had he um, laid hands on you any more times since the oh, wedding yeah, night yes oh yeah. yes yes he's throwing me down the stairs but every single time anything physical happened, he was drinking. Okay. And so I'm like, well, drinking so it's is easy, he, an easy way to ex- exactly. quote unquote excuse because, his behavior. And because the thing with him is he doesn't drink a drink. He drinks right. until he's blackout, like yeah. carrying him out of clubs and passing out, like literally getting kicked out of bars because he's falling asleep and passed out places. Oh no. So, and this is just like always. Like that is, it's either zero or a thousand. Um, so it got better for just a little while, like maybe three months. Continued to get worse. He was saying he was working on Saturdays. He was not coming home. Like something was going on. So meanwhile, he's still using. I'm telling my mom about how he's working all the time. And at this point, he's already been kicked out of the Q force. And when they're in the military, it's hard to be like, 
I don't I don't know if this is true or, or a lie because like you said you grew up a military kid so it's like well I do know that the, it is possible that he's working on a Saturday I know it's possible that he's working overnight but also I don't trust him so how do I believe like are you working or are you lying to me right and at this point since he got kicked out of the Q course for not being able to perform he's in like this unit that's like a holding unit Mm -hmm. until he gets put into like an actual unit for not completing his contract. So I didn't know his command. I couldn't have even figured out. Yeah. He didn't share any of that kind of stuff with me. And like, there's no way for me to figure it out. He's like, I'm just going to be here for a couple of weeks and blah, blah, blah. Well, my mama is the real OG. (laughs) She will find anything out. Okay. She will find anything out. Um, she found out, and I don't even know exactly how to this day, but I guess she found our phone records, and he had been texting and calling this number over and over and over again. So Mama Tracy, my mom, sorry, um, figures out who it is, and it's a girl. And she's like, oh, fuck, no, you're not. Figures <laughs> out who this girl is, pretends to be, my abuser's mom to get her to meet her in person oh damn if that is like not mama like mama bear 1000 (laughs) yeah and the night that all of this happened my son was almost in the hospital with rsv i had been out of school for well i was a teacher so i um had been out sick with my son for three days in a row and he's on a breathing machine like it was very scary he's about to be put in the hospital And he's out running the roads talking to some girl. So mama figured out who this girl was, got this girl to meet her in person because my abuser had an apartment that I didn't know about. Wow. It wasn't just his. He was, there was another guy living there, but he had an apartment in a bedroom that I didn't fucking know about y'all. And I lived with this man. Wow. That is how good he is at lying. Yeah. That is how good he is at lying. He had told this girl that he met that, like, I, me and my son, we didn't exist at all. Never been married. Nothing. Mama meets this girl at a gas station just to, like, see who it is. She's about to, like, go to jail. But she's like, hey, showed her a picture of me, my abuser, and my son. And she said, this is, like, you were, he's married and has a kid. Yeah. She's like, no, he doesn't. And she's, like, showing him the pictures. Showing her the pictures. So I guess he had, he completely lied to her too. Homegirl jumps in her car. And this is how we found out that she had an apartment. Jumps in her, or that he had an apartment. Jumps in her car and drives to where he is supposedly living. So what does my mom do? Follow her. Follows her. (laughs) Goes right to the apartment with this girl. They're both beaten on this apartment door. He sees that my mom is there. And slams the door on her, like almost broke her arm because her arm was in the door and he is slamming it shut because he realizes he's caught. Nobody, I didn't suspect this at all. I knew he was doing something, but I didn't think it was this. He was having a full blown on relationship. Well, double life. Double life. Absolutely. With a 19 year old. Oh my God. Who was also married. Oh my God. At the time. (laughs) And so found all that out. Mama, mama bear figured it all out, came over the next morning and told me everything. I didn't know about this going on at that night at all. 
So my mom came over and basically wrecked my world. Yeah. And she literally could barely hold it together because she was so mad and so upset and he was caught and where was anyway. he supposedly when you when he was caught? Like what where would you he you was, believed he was I at thought, work? I thought he was on twenty four hour duty. Okay. Oh, okay. And so his look we had all we had been having fights back and forth about locations, services being on and me not trusting him and he would turn it off. He would turn it off and I would just be like, Why is it off? Right. And like if you have like, nothing to hide. Know. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. I guess it just accidentally turned off. I updated my phone and I'm a dumbass. I was believing it. He literally could tell me the sky was green and I would believe it. That's <laughs> how you, good he is. Y'all. Do you think like um, part of you kind of believed it? Because it's like, I just like, I don't want, like you already know how bad it can get. So do you feel like it was almost like a, an innate, like you, you protecting yourself? Like, well, I'm just not going to rock the boat because I don't want him to hit me or I don't, I'm going to rock the boat. I'm not going to rock the boat because I don't want to have this fight sort of deal or like a mixture of both. Like he was just so good at lying and. He was so good at lying and I didn't want to be a single divorced mom. Yeah. I did not want to, this was, he was all I had all through college and everything. I didn't have my parents. Right. My parents were doing their own thing. I literally, when they got a divorce. At this point, you guys had been together how long? Like starting college to now? 2007 until my son was born in 2013. So. Wow. Six years. Yeah. Yeah. So found that out. I immediately moved out of the house. I did all of the things. Then um, when all of this happens, that's when I find out that he's actually being kicked out of the military. And I had no idea. Kicked out of the military for um, habitual misconduct or something like that. Yeah. So stopped paying child support. Stole. Um, we had two cars. One of them was in like both of our names. He took it or, and then when he gave it back, he said he would not, um, if I didn't return the car, he was going to report it stolen and have me locked up this, that, and the third. And it was because he was leaning his car out to pay for his drugs. Wow. And at this point it had gone from pills to heroin. Wow. And it was just a mess. Mind you, on my son's first Christmas, this all happened right before Thanksgiving. I found out that he had the other, that he had the other woman. Mm-hmm. And at this my point, son, you did know he was abusing drugs or you didn't know? I did. I knew he was doing pills. He wasn't doing, I didn't know if he was doing heroin or not. He was doing okay. pills. Um, and I lost my train of thought. Okay. I found it's right, right before, before his Christmas. Yeah. Yep. On Mason's, on Christmas day, Mason's first Christmas the girl sent me a picture of an ultrasound. She was pregnant. Yep. And she sent me videos of them having sex. (gasps) She sent me videos of them doing all the things. Well, she sounds just as mental as he does. Yeah. I mean, she, after she found out he was married, she didn't care. She continued and believed him too. Got knocked up by him, said that it was on purpose. Um, yeah, so that was wow. great. Oh. I mean, you had already left the situation. I don't see why she's like just a prod at you, like just sending you these things. Like, hey, look at me. Well, that, and I think that he was using me to try and make her jealous at the same oh, time because yeah. he's doing it to mm-hmm. both of us. Because at this point, y'all, this is how broken I was. 
this is how trauma bonded I was y'all. And it's embarrassing. I don't think I've ever even told anybody this. I begged him, begged him to come back to me and that I would raise that baby as my own. Oh, I just got chill bumps. I don't want to cry right now. (laughs) I begged him. I've never been so broken. So sad. I'm literally trying not to cry right now. (laughs) I literally felt like I was going to die without him. And I didn't care that he went and got this other girl pregnant. I didn't care that I knew he was seeing her and lying to me about it. I didn't care. I just wanted him so bad because I was so trauma bonded. Yeah. I was so trauma bonded to the ups and downs, the abuse. I thought it was love. Would you, was, uh, was he your, like your first serious, serious relationship? Like, like I'd had one outside other one before. of, I'd had one other one before, but I honestly think it was because everything that was going on in the background with my family yeah. and not having like anybody yeah. else here. Cause we're a military yeah. family. I don't have right. any other support. No. Yeah. Yeah. So all I had was his family. Um, when all of this came to light, I told his family, I told his family he was on heroin, told his family, he got this girl pregnant. I told him all of that. And they called me a liar. <gasps> no, nobody <sighs> believed me. Well, that's something you nobody still deal with today, me. right? Isn't it? Like, oh, absolutely. I, I, I yeah. still deal with, yeah, yeah, they still, they did not believe me. Um, fast forward, the heroin addiction is getting worse. He's getting kicked out of the military. He's not paying me child support. I was a teacher. I made zero money. So the only place I had to go was to my mom's living with my mom at this point. Um, and I'm still like trying to make my marriage work going back and forth. It was so unhealthy. Yeah. And how far were you from him at this point? Like your parents lived how far from him? We all live in the same town. So like just within a couple miles of each other, we had to go stay in the barracks because of him being in trouble. They made him stay there. I was living with my mom, but he would show up when he wasn't supposed to. I was living with my mom and her boyfriend at the time. He caused so much chaos at that house that my mom's boyfriend told her she needed to pick me and Mason or him. Wow. So mama bear said, fuck you. Bye. Good. Good for her. So not only did he ruin my fuck up my life, my mom had been with this man for three years. Oh no. And he, and he's like, you got to pick. And she's like, you're not going to make me pick between my kids or you. That's not, that's not how this works. And yeah. he yeah. was like, you need to pick. And because he wanted me to move out basically. Yeah. And I'm like, he's not paying child support. And I make $1,500 a month after taxes. Right. How is my kid going to go to daycare and me have somewhere to live? That's live, how this yeah. works, bro. Yeah. Like no child support. Anyway, we, um, this is continuing on. He's doing heroin. I'm having to move. And one day I just, and I mean, this went on for probably a year of me going back and forth. And that's why statistics show that it takes about seven times yeah. for someone to leave someone before they do it for good. Yeah. I probably did it 10, 12 times yeah. because I just couldn't, I couldn't. It was like breaking an addiction. Yeah. I was rolling up to drug dealers' houses, demanding wow. him come outside. I was, I was doing a lot of things I'm not proud of. So what and, was your breaking point? Like, what was, what triggered you to be like, that's it. This is the last time, like, I'm done forever. So when we moved into the new house, that's when things got kind of bad. Cause I'm like, you're not allowed here. You're not coming here. No. And so... 
he broke like part of the, I lived in a two story house and there was like a basement that had like an old apartment. That's where my son and I lived. Mm-hmm. He broke part of the fence so that he could peep from the back of the fence directly <gasps> into my bedroom window. Oh, oh my gosh. He broke in or like into around the house and he cut all of the cable lines to the house. Like we're, I'm thinking that he thought it was power. Oh yeah. Like cutting the power. But our cable went out. We couldn't figure out why. And the cable people came over and they're like, is there somebody mad at you? And he's, she's like, why? And he's like, every single cable from the road is cut. Oh, my God. Completely cut. Um, he was, there was apartments behind my house that he was hanging out in just like at all hours of the night watching me. The cops oh. would get called over there because they're like, there's this guy. Um, and it just escalated, escalated, escalated to the point where. He showed up on my front porch one day on Molly that I found oh, no. out about on Molly um, in nothing but gym shorts. He had taken off his shoes, taken off his shirt, had done all of this because the cops had just been called on him at those apartments. And he's so out of his mind that he took off those things so that if they the wouldn't were find looking him for him, they wouldn't find him. He's 6'4", 240 with <laughs> tattoos all over his body. Not to mention a very uncommon like, hair color. So Exactly. So there, it's not rocket science. And plus the, the cops that had continually been called because he was they doing know all who these to things look were for. the same ones. Yeah. yeah. And so I filed a restraining order. The day that I filed a restraining order, his biological dad, by the way, who he doesn't really have much to do with, works for our local sheriff's department. Mm-hmm. So when I went down to the safe link office and filed my um, restraining order, because previously before this, he called my phone 1300 times in a row oh, was he showed up at my school because he thought I was working. Oh, he was hanging out in the target parking lot. He was, he was stalking me. I yeah. turned my location oh, my off. I wouldn't answer him. He was absolutely going crazy. So I finally was like, I'm done. I'm fucking yeah. done, dude. Because he was yelling at the cops that I had a man in my house and all this, that, and the third. And I didn't. I'm literally sleeping with my son. Yeah. Um, Filed the restraining order. As soon as the restraining order was processed, his bio dad obviously got notification of it. Calls him. (gasps) Tells him, you're about to be served with a restraining order. So what does he do? Comes to you. He drives his ass to my house and starts trying to break in. Oh, my gosh. While I'm, and he hasn't been served with this restraining order yet because he had the notice. His dad yeah. called him and told him, you're about to be served. And he's like, that's not fair, blah, 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 blah. Well, so he tries to break into my house and I'm calling 911. Scared out of my mind because I have no idea what he's actually going to do to me yeah. when he gets to me. Um, and so Did then, he ever show any like ill intent towards your baby? Like during the pregnancy or throughout his life? No. like. Mm-mm. honestly he never has given a shit about him he tells yeah. everybody and everybody in the world that i can vent, cares, vouch but, for that yeah i can vouch like for he that. acts he, like he's father of the super year dad yeah never did anything i was a single mom while i was married he never yeah. did anything um so no it never it's never been about mason never so he gets served that paperwork while he's breaking into my house but they don't have enough evidence to arrest him so they just serve him the paperwork and he's told you're not allowed to contact her all this that and a third don't call her don't talk to her this is a no contact order his dad who also told me it was a mistake that I ever got pregnant 
rolls up to my house after he's been served trying to be friendly with me and then asks me what all of these pills are that he has in his hand because he got him out of the car that he parked. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I tried to tell you he was doing this and you didn't believe me. Do you believe me now? And he's like, I mean, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, the very next day, he breaks my restraining order by continuing to call me, continuing to show up. So I had to call the police again. I had to go to court some more. And he, he did get convicted of violating the protection order then. Mind you, right, oh, also another reason why I had went to go file it is because at this point, um, obviously I was having a lot of mental health issues and I was prescribed Ambien. And the night before all of this happened, I had taken an Ambien. I guess he came and knocked on the door and I let him in. Oh and I have gosh. zero recognition of this, zero remembrance at all. I woke up and he was on the couch. Oh, how terrifying. No I had no idea how he got there. When I woke up and realized this, I told him he needed to leave. This is when he started to choke me to the point where I was about to pass out. And my mom found, my mom heard me and came down the stairs. My mom saved my life 100%. Because he's like, do you want to be with me or not? Do you want to be with me? Do you want to be with me? Hard pass, hard pass. And he steadily, he's like, but you said you wanted to be with me. If I got clean, if I did this, and I'm like, Yes, I want to be with you. Trying to get him to let me go right. because I yeah. literally can't breathe. And my mom comes down the stairs. And so, during all, go ahead. Go ahead. During all of that time, like right after he ended up leaving, my mom made him leave. He had told me that obviously he already had guns, but he has guns and he's friends with a lot of dangerous people. And when I go missing, he's not worried about it. He'll oh be God. the one to put a gun to my head. Like, <sighs> All of those different things. And oh, I believe, yeah. I know he would. I mean, well, and, and I, I, I was going to say, like, Fayetteville is not a place to take a threat like that lightly because there are very dangerous people in, in that city that I wouldn't put it past, you know, something terrible happening to you. If, if he, But I mean, at your mental state at this point, you're just like, can I even leave? Like, I'm not even safe in my own home. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I wasn't. I absolutely wasn't. I changed my number multiple times. Um, his grandparents' house actually got shot up two different occasions because he owed people money and obviously he didn't have it. So it yeah. was just like escalating, escalating, escalating. He actually, um, and this is when I officially knew he was on heroin. Um, he was found on a Walgreens bathroom floor with a needle in his arm and his heartbeat was eight beats per minute. Oh my goodness. When the, when the officers got to him, they Narcaned him and he came back. But this was not the only time he had been Narcan. Yeah. He had been, he had OD'd multiple other times and just lost a friend to OD. And so, so after, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Cause finish your thought and then I'll bring up this thought that I have. Go ahead. That's just how I, I finally, he's gonna have, he's doing more than yeah. Just pills. Just pills. Yeah. I didn't really believe it again. Why would I believe it? But after that, um, that incident, I knew he was also arrested a couple times between here and there and had paraphernalia on him while he was, um, going through all of this and needing money. He stole over a hundred thousand dollars from his grandparents. Oh my um, he was eventually charged with 22 different felonies. Um, and, and he, this all took place in the time frame of what? So from the time that he left to. From 20, yeah, from the time I left for in 20, 
I filed my restraining order in two days before my seventh wedding anniversary. Wow. Or five days. Yeah. And so that kind of, it escalated from 2014 and all of this continued to go on. I mean, it's still kind of going on. That's what I was going to say. um, It's still going on, but but all of that stuff was happening from like 2014 to 2017. I will say though, um, the police though kind of brought a knight in shining shining armor into your story. Yes. Do you tell tell us a little bit about that because I feel I told yes. Felicia I said we have to do this story. <laughs> I don't want to cry because when you hear when you hear the yeah. ending of it, yeah, go ahead because I'm gonna cry. When you hear the ending okay, of it, so, it uh, <laughs> it's amazing. God had a plan, y'all. Um, the day I filed a restraining order, obviously the cops came. And there was one cop in particular that came that I was like, damn, he's fine. <laughs> but, I'm like, but I'm like, and I looked at his hand. He didn't have a ring on his finger. And I'm like, all right. And I mean, he literally like made me feel so good. Um, like made me feel safe. My mom was somebody who always kind of antagonized my abuser, like made it worse. Yeah. And so I said, can you tell her that she also has to not talk to him and not mess with him and do all that? And he put my mama in her place and she doesn't let anybody talk to her like that. Yeah. And I mean, she's the one that found out all this stuff. And I mean, he was laying down the law and she literally just sat there, looked at him and said nothing. And I've never seen my mom act like that. It was like God. Um, anyway, thought he was super cute. Stalked him on social media for a little while. Come to find out. We have so many mutual friends. Like, there's no reason that we've mm-hmm. never really met each other before now. Um, and about a month later, we bumped into each other at a restaurant. And he's like, how's that situation going? He was thinking, oh, yeah, she probably went back. And I'm like, yeah. no, he's already violated it once. He's still messing with me. He won't leave me alone. And he's like, huh, all right. And then literally, like, 15 minutes after that, I had an Instagram DM. And we're like talking to each other in the DMs, liking each other's pictures from years ago, commenting on it. And we've been together ever since. And another great thing is he adopted your son, correct? Yes. Yes. While all of this is going on, um, my ex-husband's not paying child support. He's not doing anything. He's not contacting our son. He's not doing any of that stuff. My son actually has absolutely no idea who that is because I left when Mason was 10 months old. Yeah. And he has not physically seen him since the end of 2014. So he's two years old when the last time he saw him, I met my husband when my son was 18 months old. Yeah. So I didn't encourage my son to call him daddy from the beginning. I didn't, but it just kind of was a natural progression. And now that's all Mason's ever known. Well, yeah, and if, all you, of this. if you follow you on, if anybody follows Chastity on Instagram, you know, you, you see her son. He is definitely a, a fireball. Like, he is full. Of, he's yeah. like Chastity reincarnated, I feel like. He is definitely a, a little sassy. But um, when I see your husband and Mason interact, it you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. Like, if you didn't know your story, 
you wouldn't know that that was not a nat- like a, a, a natural Absolutely. bond. They have just this beautiful relationship together that, you know, you can tell that Mason truly looks at your husband as his father and doesn't question it at all. Like he just, it's just so natural. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. I think beautiful. that's a good point of your story though, is like, I know so many people have children in these situations and they're like, well, what about my child? And they won't know this parent and they won't know this parent, but that doesn't mean they're like, going to go unloved like somebody will come into their life and still love them as their own um I know it was kind of the same situation in the previous story her husband had a child and she didn't have a child in that situation but still came to love the kid as their own and I think that's that's like the perk like the top of the cake because it's such a big thing to kind of going from one of these situations into another like romantics whatever you want to call it um it's like, how is my child going to be? Right. And I mean, my abuser used to tell me, nobody is going to want to be with you. You have a kid with another man. Nobody yeah. is ever going to love you. Nobody is ever going to do that. And he would say, mm-hmm. nobody's ever going to be a daddy to Mason. I am. But meanwhile, he had done nothing for my ch- my son yeah. for five years of his life. So, so he thought, didn't care, but he still used him as a weapon. Absolutely. Never cared never paid child support, never asked about him. Anytime he ever contacted me, it wasn't about Mason. It was about me. So um, we had his right. Well, let me say this because I know he tells the story a lot different. There was $30,000 in back child support that he owed. Um, And he also like, we had enough evidence to prove that he physically, emotionally, financially abandoned my son. Yeah. So we, took him to court to terminate his parental rights. He gave, we didn't even end up having to go to court because he gave up his parental rights. If I would waive the $30,000 in back child support. Wow. That he was signing over. And that because he was going, he would get locked up for child support because Mm -hmm. he wasn't paying. Um, And so he waived his rights. So he didn't have to pay child support. Do you think one day when your son is older that this is something you're going to tell him about? Or do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I think a lot of women that are in this, they need to know, like, you know, you can protect your child for now. But at some point, you know, you have to tell the story of what happened. And that's and like I said, Mason doesn't know who that man is. He has the Robinson last name. Um, my abuser's name was taken off of the birth certificate. It now only has my husband's name. He is his father. There is no going back on it. He gave up his rights willfully. Yeah. And I know that a lot of people question my decision and a lot of people are like, well, what if he finds out? Yeah, he's going to eventually find out, but he is not mentally mature enough to understand what happened, why it happened. And when all of this was going on, I did everything in my fucking power to Uh keep us alive Yeah, because that's where it was. He would have killed me. Yeah, for sure. He would have killed me. Definitely. And then what would have happened to Mason? Yeah. His family was as bad. Yeah. Yeah. How long after the situation, I mean, I know you said you're still going through some of it, but would you say that you kind of found like peace and happiness where you were able to kind of give your all again to another relationship? So I'll say this. I had relationships in between meeting my um, now husband. And I'm going to say this, a healthy relationship after being out of a toxic one is the hardest relationship you will ever have. 
because you don't know what it feels like to be treated the right way. I've never had to tell Chase how to treat me. I didn't know that this was, that this is what love is. That I thought love was what I was with him. I thought everybody felt that way. So I'll say I went through about a year of kind of, I was in therapy. I was healing myself. I was figuring out who I was because I'm not, I wasn't the same person. I was a mean girl. I was an ugly person because he made me that way. He made me jealous. He made me question everybody. He made me just an angry and mad person. And so about throughout that like a year, I was doing a lot of self-reflection therapy. And Mm -hmm. I think I met Chase at the perfect time because if I had met him before that, I wouldn't have been ready. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have pushed him away. And I still, honestly, when we first got together, kind of pushed him away. Because I'm like, it's, this is too good to be true. Yeah. You When's the bottom going to fall out? Yeah. And, but honestly, from the day that we got together, my husband and his family have always treated me and Mason like one of their own. They've never treated Mason any different. Yeah. And that's kind of how I knew. I have yeah. the most yeah. amazing in-laws on the face of the planet. They took us in when they had no reason to. Mm-hmm. They had no reason to even believe my side of the story because if you're from this to- this town, yeah, most nobody believes me. Still to this day, they'll think yeah. I'm lying. Yeah, yeah. He, there's no way he's a heroin addict. There's no way he had 22 felonies. He didn't hit you. Yes, he did. He did all of those things, and he'll deny it till he's blue in the face, and that's yeah. fine. But I know my truth. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I can I can vouch for you on that. You know, I had a run in with him. Um, I didn't know who you were at the time and I had to run in with him and I heard all this, the same things you're saying. Oh, she keeps me from my son. She says I'm doing this. She says I'm doing that. And, um, I mean, to the point where he was in my home and after I heard your story, I was like, this man was in my home around, I had two baby girls at the time. I'm like around my children. Like, are you kidding me? And, and, and to be a mother and to sit there and hear just a bold face lie on somebody's character as a mother and just be like, she keeps me from, from him. She won't let me see him and stuff. And like, like Chastity said, he's a great liar. And I think that's a trait of being a narcissist is he was very, very convincing of his side of the story. And, um, and it wasn't until recently that I heard Chastity's side and I'm like, oh yeah, red flag. That makes sense. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, yep. if you are from that small town that we are both from, you know, I, I encourage you to open your mind and to, to understand that we're not the same people we all were once when we were growing up, you know, 2008 was a long time ago and we've all, Amen. you know, we've all grown a lot since then. And, people there are some people who are really great people when we went to school together that are not good people anymore and we all kind of need to uh keep our mouth shut if we don't have anything nice to say felicia says it all the time if you, if you don't have nothing nice <laughs> to say don't say anything at all and i think you know the people that in that town need to need to hear that more often like you know but just, i think that's overall in general right yeah like so many that's what i was going to ask how how would you suggest a survivor kind of cope or how did you cope with people so many people telling you like that didn't happen right that has to make you kind of question like no I'm not crazy like I'm not making this up this is happening how would you suggest they cope or kind of steps to move forward when people are just kind of telling you like no you're making that up so I am the biggest advocate on the face of the planet for going to therapy Mm -hmm. and 
I would have never, I didn't even know what the word, nar- I didn't even, I don't know if I'd ever, ever even heard the word narcissist before. I had no idea that that's what he was. I had, yeah. And getting into therapy and talking through the things that he was doing to me and the way that I, I literally felt like I was losing my mind all the time. And it wasn't until I started therapy and had an outsider looking in because guys, it didn't matter how many times my mom told me to leave. I wasn't going to leave until I was ready. Yeah. It didn't matter. But going to therapy is absolutely what helped me get to that point. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, you guys can hear from my, from my story. And when this stuff happened, I didn't talk about it up until about the last year and a half is kind of when I, um, started sharing because, I finally felt like I was at a place where I felt like I could. Yeah. And to this day, he doesn't leave me alone. Yeah. I was going to say, my last question for you would be just like, what is it like living? Because, you know, a lot of people have the luxury of picking up and leaving, right? They can move to another Mm -hmm. town and start a whole new life. Unfortunately for you, and not that you would have to or should have to, but you are in a small town, you know, regardless of how big Fayetteville it is, it's very small if you've grown up there. It's so, very small, yeah. Yeah, so um, how do you, like now that it's been, you know, a few years since you guys, you've cut the ties, you're in a new relationship, you are, you have a new a new little girl, you know, you and, you and Chase's relationship is very solid. It's, you know, it's not anything yeah. new. So how do you go forward or what advice would you give to another woman who was living in a small town in the same small town, um, surrounded by her abuser's family or people that are friends with her abuser or, or, um, you know, even just risk bumping into them at the Walmart or something. What, what is your advice for them living that life that you're kind of living right now? Share your story and share it loudly and don't give a fuck about what anybody else thinks because they're going to talk no matter what. Yeah. There are people that are never going to believe me. There are people I could give the police reports to. I took stalking charges out on him last year. I had another mm-hmm. restraining order last year. He just tried to contact me two weeks ago. <laughs> I still deal with it. Yeah. I've been blocked on everything and he will create new accounts to still come talk to me. Not about Mason. It's never been about Mason. It's about me. He only wants right. to talk to me. My husband will try and like be the mediator and he will not. He's like, no, I want to talk to her. Like, that's how still controlling he thinks that he can be. Yeah. And in this town, no matter where you are, people are going to talk. Yeah. This is the thing. It's your story. You share it. Because you know what? It doesn't matter who believes you. You know what happened. Yeah. And you have a voice. And that happened to you for a reason. And I don't believe that God would have given me this story for me to stay silent in shame. Because that's what it's like walking yeah. around in a town like this. When you see people that, you know, know, yeah. you didn't have a wedding ring on your finger or you know that they were friends with them and you know, they don't believe you. It's so shameful. You yeah. feel so embarrassed that this is your life. I was so embarrassed for the longest time. And now going to therapy and just realizing that I didn't do anything to deserve those things. He's yeah. an abuser for a reason. I said, I just said this the other day, abusers don't abuse everyone. Yeah. I love that. She said the same thing that therapy has and still does help her tremendously um, kind of get past that, you know, that it wasn't what did me. I do wrong? It was, yeah. yeah, like it wasn't me in the situation. Like I didn't really do anything. It was him. And he's, you know, like you said, made you feel shameful or like a liar or that you caused these issues. Um, 
knowing that you didn't, I think is huge, you know, regardless if people are talking or not, like you hold your head up high and you know, like I survived a dangerous situation. Like that right there is like badass. You right like, now own your are a badass. Yeah. And I feel like a badass now. Good. You should. And it's only because I've gotten loud. Yeah. And because I'm sharing, because I still would, it's embarrassing. Like it's embarrassing that he, that he had a, he got another girl pregnant and had this whole other life that I didn't know about. And Mason has a half sister out there. That's embarrassing, but you have to own, I had to heal myself. And that's yeah. the thing also well, and I getting think into any type sh- of new relationship. You have to heal yourself. Yeah. And I don't think that you should take, I think it could be embarrassing, but from an outsider looking in, when I hear your story, I don't hear anything embarrassing on you. I hear a mother that fought like hell to make sure that things that weren't happening to her didn't happen to her child. And I think every embarrassing thing can be thrown back on your abuser. I mean, who in their right mind goes and gets somebody else pregnant while they have a baby and a wife at home. That's embarrassing for him, not for you, Chastity. And I think that it's embarrassing that this man chose to abuse opiates so badly. Um, you know, all you chose to do was love somebody for a, a side of them that they chose to show you. There's nothing embarrassing about that. That just shows, you know, the type of heart that you have. I think if um, if anybody should feel embarrassed, it should be the man who chose to throw away such a beautiful family that he could have had and, you know, a, a promising career in the military. You know, that was those were choices on him, not on you. And there's nothing embarrassing about your story. Your story is extremely um, empowering. I think a lot of women are quick to feel that way, right? Embarrassed or shameful. So they don't want to share your story. So I guess the question is, once you started sharing your story, obviously there's the people who are like, no, that didn't happen. But have you had people reach out to you and say like, thank you for sharing, like obviously us, right? Thank you for sharing your story. Um, I related to that. Like, I'm in a similar situation because I think people are going to be, you know, like, oh, that doesn't happen to anybody. It's just me. But in reality, it happens much more than people notice. So I guess what would you say? Like, were you more shamed or were you more like that? Empowered. Thank you. Like were people. Yeah. Empowered. Yeah. So shame lives in silence. So when Mm -hmm. I was silent, that's when I was embarrassed. That's when I felt shameful. Now that I've started sharing my story, I'm empowered. I'm healing. I'm, and guys, the reason why I share and I try really hard not to get emotional, but the reason why I share everything that I share is because I so wish I had somebody sharing anything like this when I was going through it, because you don't know how alone you feel. Yeah. And everybody has this picture perfect life. And I look like I had a picture perfect life and he's putting guns to my head and punching me in the legs so people can't see it. And I don't ever want anybody to feel like they're trapped forever or to feel like because they have kids or to feel like all of that, that they can't have a happy life because my life right now is better than I could have ever <laughs> yeah. wished for. Yeah. I could never, I didn't pray for days like this. I didn't know that this existed. Yeah. The happiness and the fulfillment that I have now on the other side is worth every single bad thing that I went through. And I share my story and I continue to share it because so many women have reached out to me and said your story has helped me I'm working on leaving my abuser your story like you've saved I've had a couple people say you saved my life you helped me leave you helped me understand that that was not okay to be treated that way and and that's it I'm crying (laughs) (laughs) like and that's why I share because 
nobody should ever feel like this. Nobody yeah. should ever have to go through this. And I think that having somebody share the good ending, that there is yeah. happiness, that you don't have to feel like that forever, that you deserve love, that there is Prince Charming out there, that somebody will love you even though you have kids or was married to a drug addict, you like, it can get better. And you should know that and you're not stuck and it's not normal. And there's a beautiful life on the other side of it once you heal. And that's our biggest hope with this series is to kind of spread that light. Like you can still find happiness at the end of that rainbow. Like just because you went through something difficult and you felt less than doesn't mean you are, or you deserve less than. And we can't thank you enough, Chastity, for coming on sharing your story and being vulnerable with us. And I know it's not easy and we can't say just a million times. Thank you. Thank you. And we're sorry you went through that, but we are so happy for the life you have now. Thank you. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to share with you all because I am just now getting into sharing and I am open to speak to anyone and everyone about it because I, I truly feel like that's what God is pushing me to do. God yeah. wants other women to know that they're not alone. And I think that's, I think that's amazing, right? Because people are so scared. You're just so scared to share a story. And I think it just takes one, like you said, people have reached out to you now at this point, and it just takes one to kind of give them that courage. And we hope that your story does that. I mean, for me, like I've never been through that situation and I've got chills. I was like crying and like, I couldn't even imagine a woman going through it. And the fact that you did and you are thriving and I know you still have, you know, issues, but like, the fact that you were brave enough to step on a public platform. I mean, we're not this biggest, biggest platform, but we have a platform. And the fact that you, you let us borrow your voice. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, but the fact that you let us borrow your voice, we just, we can't thank you enough. Absolutely. And I, I love that you guys are doing this about domestic violence because it, we've got to get loud. Yeah. You've got to get loud and just start talking about it. I, I think I agree. So I'm going to close this out. But before we do, if you had one tip to give a, you know, somebody in your situation or somebody who had just escaped, maybe a survivor or something, what would be like your one tip, your one line that might help somebody kind of get over that hump and decide to walk out? Journal. Okay. Journal everything. Every single day, anything that happened, just sit down and write. Write down yeah. the things that he said to you or the things that were done, you're not going to remember. There's so many memories I don't have because your brain blocks it out. But if you can go back, and this is why one of the other reasons why I left was because I went, I would go, I would write in my journal. And then a couple of days later, I'd go back and like reread what I wrote. And I wouldn't even remember those things happening and wow. reading my words about how I felt and what he said opened my eyes because he'll get, they'll gaslight you and make you think that they never said that and that you're crazy. But going back and reading my own words and what actually happened gave me clarity. It was like my that. eyes were being wiped clean because if I, I hadn't done that, you just, you won't remember. I remember him punching me, but yeah. I don't remember all of the hateful things that he said. So if I would bring it back up, he could lie and say he didn't say that. But if I've written it down in my own words every night and just get my feelings out there, that is really what helped me see. I think that's, that is such a, that's, I wouldn't even think of that. I think that's an amazing idea. Like, and then you also have that for future reference, right? You could use that for your courts against your, your child or anything like that, just to kind of know. I think that's an amazing, 
An amazing tip. And to just document, document everything. So you have that you can go back and look at it. Cause I even look back at some of that stuff that I've written. Now I found letters that I wrote to him and to the other woman. And I don't even remember feeling the way that I felt back then. Yeah. I know, but the growth that I can see in myself, that's what makes me a badass fucking woman. Wow, you guys. I I don't know if you can listen to that and, and have a dry eye. I don't think you can listen to last Monday's or this Monday's and have a dry eye. Yeah. I... I feel like as a woman, it just hits you differently. Like yeah. as a, maybe, maybe it hits us differently because we just have a passion to like encourage you guys. And like, if we could get one person out of that situation based on these three stories, like that's like a huge mission for us. Like it, yeah. it's, it would just be a huge, like mission accomplished. Like we helped save somebody. I couldn't imagine like going through her situation. And when she was talking about, you know, him behind the building like all I immediately pictured was you <laughs> like, oh yeah yeah just like staring through me and like I already get creepy vibes from the show can you imagine it happening in like no. real life like yeah or like just trying to be safe and it's like you never feel like you're safe I can't I I think that would be even more frustrating than somebody hitting me never feeling safe in my own home again because he's standing outside watching me you know or like you know, like when she said he cut the cable lines thinking it was her power lines, like what were your intentions in that? What were, what was your plan? You know? And I, it's scary. I think that's like the best word to describe this of what both of these girls went through, like being so young too, like their first, first real serious relationships. And this was like their introduction to, you know, monogamy was like, Hey, I'm going to beat the hell out of you. And I'm going to treat you like shit. And I'm going to do whatever I want. And you're going to, you're just going to sit here idly because I say you are. And it's just like, but Could I you imagine you, being 19 and that happening to you? Like, oh my gosh. I know. And it shows you like how different things can be, right? Her mm-hmm. started the night of her wedding. Her, yeah. you know, the other story started immediately as they were dating. But I think that's huge is noticing that like isolation was the first sign for both of them. And it started just friends, you know, only hang out with my friends. I think that is like, if that's a sign in your relationship, it's time to take back, like step back and reevaluate what you're kind of like, is this, you know, is this what I see? Like, is this what is happening? Because it just continued further into that, right? Yeah. So you're just like from fr- friends to just my friends, to the family, to controlling your finances, to controlling where you go. If he took the car and, you know, I don't know. I think it's, um, I, I do like that both of their stories, although similar, were super different. You know, she was yeah. lucky enough to not have him stalk her in our first story. However, the second was not. Um, so I think even whatever situation you're going through, maybe it's a little different. I think it's important to know that even if your situations differ, you are still able to like get out and find that happiness at the end of the rainbow. Like you can still make a beautiful life. Both of these women have, and just their, their simple tips, right? The go bags, the journal, the, um, simple signs to look for, um, both being involved in the military community, knowing that, you know, his was discharged and it went a little bit more um, civilian, right? Like they had to kind of take over, which in turn worked out great for her because she was able to meet her now husband. Whereas the other situation, um, you know, she did marry a military man, but um, you know, the MPs were over that situation. She mentioned she was at her neighbor's house and had to call the MP. So I think whichever situation you're in, 
you're able to relate somehow, some way to a part of these stories. Yes, exactly. And I think that, you know, Chastity said, and and what at the ending was that she speaks her story to help others. So while our first was anonymous, uh, if you are a woman and, and you're going through this and you need somebody to talk to, I can vouch for Chastity. You can reach out and say, what do I do in this situation? Mm-hmm. You know, I, there, that she's going to know things that we don't know. We just knew we had the story and the plot, the stories and the platform to facilitate some help. And yeah. I think that having, you know, Chastity in our corner of saying, hey, you know, we don't know the answer to this, but hey, I know somebody who might. Can I give you this information? She lives through this and she can probably help you. And I think that is so brave of her to be a survivor and want to help other because like Mm -hmm. she said, you know, a lot of women find themselves in this like isolation of shame. And I was not happy that she's brought up like how she was so embarrassed, but I I think a lot of women live with that. And it, and it was yeah. nice to be able to say, Hey, you're not the one who should be embarrassed. If anybody should be embarrassed here, it should be this grown ass man who thinks, you know, that they can put their hands on you or, or do all these things to you. And if you're a woman and you're living with this shame or this embarrassment, we just want to encourage you to, you know, seek therapy, do the journaling, you know, cause Speak out. Yeah. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people, are not going to believe you, but I'm going to be like 100% frank. And that's a lot of life. You can say this happened in my marriage and people are going to be like, that didn't happen. You yeah. can say this happened to my child. That didn't happen. You know, my child fell off a little tyke's playground and I was questioned, like we've had this playground for four years. He fell off of it, hurt his arm and the hospital like questioned me, like if I shoved him down the stairs, <laughs> it's like things are going to happen in your life. But I can guarantee that 90% of these women that even if it's just us, we are going to be empathetic, share as many resources as we can, get you in touch with somebody who can help. Not everybody is going to be like, well, you did that yourself. Well, you yeah. did that. Like, yeah. there's going to be those people in all aspects of life. If sharing your story empowers you, reach out to us. We would, we'll share it if you want us to share it. We'll share it anonymously if you wanted to share it. You know, we'll put you in contact with one of these women, you know, that, hey, my story related most to the first or my story related most to the second or the third or whatever it is, you know, we will send their information and, you know, help you in whatever way we can. But I think, I I know it can be shameful, but I think nobody's going to be able to help or you're never going to get those first steps if we don't know. If if nobody knows what you're going through, for instance, her mom, right? Her mom was like, this is a red flag. This is a red flag. And if it wasn't for her mom, she could potentially still be in the same situation. She could be dead. Yeah. It was somebody from the outside. And like Chastity said, you know, her therapist and stuff helped her more, but like the first initial savior for her was her mother, like pointing out these red flags and taking these actions. So whether it's your mom, it's your best friend, it's whoever it is, I think letting somebody know, you know, we're always very um, vocal about, you know, like the whole Gabby Petito thing, right? Knowing where you are and, you know, hey, I'm going to pick this up if you don't hear from me in an hour which is a sad situation that we have to do as women, but it's something I think you take that initiative to try to keep yourself safe. I saw something on Facebook that said, uh, you know, if you're going and you're losing self-service or something to update your voicemail um, with your exact location. Hey, at this time I was, you know, at this mile marker, this spot in town, whatever. Um, So if somebody calls you and God forbid something happens or you've gone somewhere or whatever, like they can help you. And so I think, kind of being vocal as scary as it is, is going to really help you take those first steps forward of getting out of something such as scary as this. Well, that was our confession for this week. 
Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on social media to catch the latest. Hashtag spill the coffee.